Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. Hey, Chris, we're on the monorail, and I can't wait to go see the parade. I love those nutcrackers they have walking down Main Street. What? Ah, guys, I just had the worst nightmare. I'm looking at a nutcracker. What? what, what oh, that? Ruby's here. Why'd you scream? Dang, those nutcrackers from a Babes in Toyland. Pretty sure they're boy soldiers. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's nutcrackers. Welcome to episode 237 of the Diz His Podcast. I'm Alex. And I'm Chris. Today we'll be giving the his on Babes in Toyland. And tonight, tonight only, we're recording live for a group troop. Well, not tonight only. We do it every yeah. week. But yeah. we record live for a group troop every week. Just go on to our social media. From there, you can get to our link tree. From there, you can get to our Patreon. From there, as low as $2 a month, you can join our Patreon. And you come every week to our live recordings. We record live on Wednesdays, sometimes Tuesdays, and uh, we record longer than the episodes come out. Episodes are usually an hour, hour ten. We record for usually an hour and a half, almost sometimes two, depending oh, yeah. if we start late because of audio issues. So if you also want to go and join the Patreon, if you have a tier over $2, you'll be entered to our giveaways, which we haven't done a giveaway since October, but we should have one coming up here soon. And uh, also from there, you can go to our T Public, get some Dizzy's merch. You can go to our blog and, watch, and look at some of the stuff that people have put onto our blog. If you're part of our Patreon, then you can put out your own blogs. That's true, Alex. That is true. And also, speaking about Discord, we, I am going to do a giveaway sometime tomorrow, a Christmas giveaway on the Discord. It's oh. a uh, it's a uh, Funko Pops. They come out with chases and they're like a uh, different color or something. And they're very rare to find. Well, I found one at uh, Walmart yesterday. It's uh, Lilo and Scrump. No, it's Stitch and Scrump. Uh, Funko Pop tree ornament, and they're gold. You can't, wow. you know, the, the, yeah, the traditional ones, the real colors, these are gold. So I will be uh, not raffling it off. I'll be giving it away tomorrow uh, on the Discord. If you want to be a part of the Discord and don't know how to, you can email us at dishispod at gmail.com. Just send us anything. We, we, we read everything on here. And That's if you right. haven't already gone and done so, please, please, please give our podcast a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or Google. Do it quick on Google. It's not going to be around for long. It's going away next March. So, Dude, I have tried to switch over from Google Podcasts to Spotify. It is very difficult for me. Really? To relearn a program. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard to relearn a, an interface program that I'm not used to. Google Podcasts oh is so simple, and I'm finding Spotify to be kind of difficult. Anyways, back to the podcast. I want to welcome our guest today. He is known as the Podfather. It's Remy himself from Remy's Roundtable. How are you doing, Remy? Yeah, man. Dude, Spotify for, for podcasters is easy to use, man. It's no, no, no. Not cool. Spotify for podcasts. I'm talking about Spotify for listeners. Yeah, he's having trouble just listening to podcasts. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, which is even worse, oh, actually. Those, those damn <laughs> ads, man. Just, uh. <laughs> Ruby, how you doing? Good, man. How you guys doing? Doing great. Doing great. Awesome now. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'm glad to have you on for Babes in Toyland. Uh, before we started, you are telling us that you've Seen it before, and it actually scared you as a kid. But we'll get into that later. We will. Have to get into the history. Uh, very fascinating idea that this used to scare you. Because uh, I watched it last night, which I'll get into again. Chris, have you seen this movie? I watched most of it uh, the other day, yes. Okay, perfect. This is yeah. – oh, this is going to be a good one. Um, if you aren't aware, 
Babes in Toyland is a 1961 live-action film from the Walt Disney Company based on the Victor Herbert Alpreta. It features a collection of nursery rhyme characters working together with a mysterious toy maker to defeat the evil Barnaby, who is intent on marrying Mary Contrary. The film stars many significant Disney actors for the 1950s and 60s, and although a critical failure, it remains a fascinating time capsule into this era of Disney history. So, Chris, you've seen a little bit of it. What do you think of yes. Babes in Toyland? Yeah, definitely not my cup of tea, but I did appreciate the uh, the sets. I thought uh-huh. the sets were were brilliant and the colors, the costuming was just so good. But yeah, just it looked like a TV movie. Like it did not. I don't know. It was there was just not my cup of tea, like I said, but I was able to at least appreciate uh, the, the music somewhat. The mm. the set design and the costumes were just awesome. Ruby, how, so what do you think of Babes in Toyland? So, like I said before, we were, we started recording. Uh, yeah, this movie just scared the crap out of me, man. It just scared the living Barnaby? crap out of me. No, it wasn't just it wasn't Barnaby. It was just the toys. The toys come to life, man. Now I'm like, what the heck? What did it really happen? I Does had... Toy Story scare you too? No, dude, I love Toy Story. It was just babes in toilet. <laughs> it was just so weird because all of a sudden I. Uh, I was uh, eight years old when I, when I first saw this movie, and it just literally scared the crap out of me. I, I don't know why, though, but I was like, yeah, I can't watch this anymore. No, t- t- turn it off. Turn it off. So whenever said, when anybody says to me, hey, we're going to watch Babes in Toyland, I'm like, no, I'll be at the bar having me a drink and not even watching this movie at all. So that's that's me, man. But I, I had nightmares, like actual nightmares for two <laughs> weeks straight. Two weeks straight for watching this Babes in Toyland movie. Oh my like, gosh. Like I was I don't know what it was, but I think the nutcracker scared the crap out of me. The uh Bo Peep and uh, the other nursery rhyme characters. I was like, yeah, this is not this is not my movie. I'm I'm done. I am so done with this movie. Oh my gosh. I, I watched this uh last night actually, and the color is the color in the uh, what's it called when the the uh what's it called? Technicolor. The Technicolor is so mm-hmm. bright and vibrant. Really like, vivid. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's insane how bright this movie is when you watch it because you're like, really? That's a, that's a movie that came on the 60s and it's so yeah. bright. Um, very, very fun watch for kids because, again, how bright it is. Kids, you know, will get glued to that, uh, glued to it. 100%. <laughs> Let's get to his on Babes in Toyland. The tale of Babes in Toyland begins in 1903. Victor Herbert and Glenn McAdoo, a songwriting pair that composed and wrote a libretto, respectfully, decided to create a performance that used the classic Mother Goose nursery rhymes of their childhoods following the massive success of their January 1903 stage musical based on Frank L. Baum's The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. Based on these Mother Goose ideas and their attempt to launch another successful family musical, they ended up premiering Babes in Toyland in Chicago only a few months later in June. It includes many now iconic songs such as Toyland, March of the Toys, Go to Sleep, Slumber Deep, and I Can't Do the Sum. The play's Christmas-themed setting only helps to make it more popular in the eyes of an already enthusiastic audience. 
and it even ended up touring throughout the east coast of the United States before settling down in New York in October for 192 performances. The show became a household name throughout America in the early 1900s, and its songs and stories would certainly have been familiar to a young Walt Disney in Marceline, Missouri. The Arpretta wouldn't be adapted for film until 1934, when iconic comedy duo Stan Laurel and Oliver Hardy would star in a more comedy-focused version of the tale. This version included many of the original characters, but the plot was altered to make Laurel and Hardy the stars as entirely new characters. Three television productions would be made in the following decades, but the story would not return to big screen again, at least not until Walt Disney decided to adapt the tale himself. So it's funny that the wonderful Wizard of Oz um, was, uh, that's the reason why they, they made this, because that's the first thing I thought of when I'm looking at this movie is like, I, this reminds me of like Wizard of Oz, the bright colors and the, and the, uh, the, the set and everything. Yeah. As far as the uh, songs go, do you have a favorite song? Not really. I didn't really have a favorite song. But another thing, a Wizard Oz, I want to talk about really fast, Chris, before we move on. Sure. Um, the the main villain Barnaby. Do you look familiar to you? A little bit. Remy, do you know who the main villain Barnaby is? No, dude. Yeah, you know how long you know how long it's been since I saw this freaking movie, man. <laughs> They're all villains to Remy. <laughs> um, that is the scarecrow from Wizard of Oz. No the kidding. Actor? Yes, the actor. Yes. Wow, that's pretty so interesting. It's, so it's funny you say it reminds you of that because that is the actor, which we'll get in further in history. But yeah, that's awesome. I, did he like? Did he sign like a contract to make you know Beige and Twine before he did uh, Wizard of Oz, or which one came first, Wizard, Wizard of Wizard Oz of- or or Beige and Toyland? Wizard of Wizard- Oz by about. 20 years right yeah it was Oz by yeah. a bit okay so by a bit so he did so he did wizard of oz first and then he did babes in babes toyland yeah wow i can see how this movie this movie does not hold up i just want to say that this movie does not hold up um i can see how it was a hit when it came out like mm-hmm. i could see how even though it bombed but it wasn't but i hit. could see yeah I, but i could see how in theory it could have been because mm-hmm. i was just like i don't know it's just like quirky and and weird and and um you know what though this came out in 19 what 61 was it yeah wow it looks like it could have come out when wizard of oz came out like it's old looking it is if old it came looking. out i feel like it would have been good at like 20 years earlier i feel like mm-hmm. this would have been amazing um it was not easy i didn't i did not watch the full movie I don't think I could. I ever could either. Like I just don't <laughs> think I could. Like, it, it, it's just like, it, it's just not I, as, as nicely as I could put it. It's just not my cup of tea. Like it is just. Ugh. Remy, do you like the music from this movie? No, absolutely not. No, I don't. Oh my gosh, the mu- I mean, the music that I really enjoy is you know the music from Wizard of Oz. But when you're talking about when you're talking about the yeah. sets, when you're talking about the sets of Babes in Toyland, the sets are amazing, but. You think the uh, directors and the uh, the assistant directors and the producers? Do you think they were wearing sunglasses when they were making this full entire movie? <laughs> I feel like they'd have to with how bright these sets were. It was. Uh, I, I tell you what, when it first came on the screen, I was really excited. The opening, mm-hmm. the opening uh, old school intro yes. really made me feel cool. I loved that. Then it yep. opens. I was like, oh man, I'm gonna love this movie. And then mm-hmm. I just didn't. I just yeah. never never got that feeling. Yeah, it definitely slows um, down. The, the middle The middle is a big lull for sure. Um, RJ, who wrote this history, by the way. Thank you, RJ. Um, he stated that the Laurel and Hardy version is much better. Um, I didn't get a chance to look at that. Oh. But he says the Laurel and Hardy version of this 
uh, movie is much. I believe better. that was the TV one, wasn't it? That had to be. That had to be the TV show. Was no, it with Drew Barrymore? Oh, it's in black no, no, that's white. Drew Barrymore. That's the later version. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is before. Oh, the first film version in 1934. Yeah, Jeez. Um, but it's funny because this idea—the idea of bringing all your, you know, all your different stories together in one little area. It's a very common practice now, you know? Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, like the multiverse. It, exactly, right? They were trying <laughs> to know? do that back then, which in concept is a great idea. In concept, it should have been a hit. In concept, this movie should have been amazing. Hmm. It, it, it was the Mother Goose multiverse, if you think about it. This was Secret exactly. Wars for Mother Goose. Yeah, exactly. Pretty if interesting. Only, if only Marvel was around back then. Yeah. <laughs> um. I, the, the, like you said, the the idea of this movie was great. Execution of it, eh, not so great. Not so great. Nah. Following the massive success of such films as Cinderella and Peter Pan, Walt announced in 1955 that his company would be producing an animated version of Babes in Toyland. He assigned Bill Walsh as the producer and Cindy Miller as the director in 1956. But following significant delays due to the focus on opening of Disneyland, Walt's new television show and the animation team's desperate attempt to release Sleeping Beauty on schedule, it was decided that the project would instead be a live-action movie, which was announced in 1959. Ward Kimball would instead produce and direct, but when Kimball read the three potential scripts that had been written, he furiously threw them to the ground and demanded the team start over, stating that they were terrible, absolutely nothing. Kimball decided that the original Alpretta was too confusing and cut out a subplot focused on the orphans in the film, instead focusing on a love triangle between three characters. The original lyrics and song tempos were rewritten as well to make them more upbeat and peppy to a modern 1960s audience, while still attempting to keep the original songs present, albeit buried within the new versions. Special effects were another significant consideration for the team, and it was decided that many of the effects, such as the March of the Toys, would be done by overlaying animation into the live-action setting. As 1960 was coming to an end, the team started to become more concerned about the film's deadline. The film rights were about to expire, and if Disney was to create this film, it would have to be soon. While Walt was away in Europe on vacation, Kimball ended up finalizing set designs and casting decisions for the production, aspects that Walt was supposed to approve. Kimball then started traveling to New York to scout actors for other roles, and although he found a perfect choice for the character of Mary, Walt was determined to have 19-year-old Mickey Mouse Club star Annette Finichello in that role instead. All these factors ultimately made Walt furious, and he kicked Kimball off the project. Jack Donahue, had previously directed TV specials with Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra, was brought in as the new director. Kimball would only be credited for the toy soldier sequence in the film. Wow. So I did a little little background on uh, Bill Walsh. He worked with he worked with Walt Disney on 18 projects. On oh, wow. 18 film wow. projects. So, but... I, I, I when I saw him, I'm like, why wow, he worked on so many projects? Why did he choose to work on Babes in Toyland with Walt Disney? That's the that's the main question, you know. Well, he didn't he didn't work on it because that was initially when they were trying to do right. an animation, but then he got taken off of it because it wasn't animation anymore. Yeah. So that's well, why, agreed, why it wasn't uh, yeah, really well, good. yeah. Well, he agreed to it initially, but I, I think maybe, um, I think maybe if this did have animation, it would have been quite interesting because I do love those. Looking back, I do love those Disney movies with the half animation, half, uh, half mm. live. Uh, it's a, it's a cool touch. It it's very like nostalgic Disney to me. Absolutely. So yeah, yeah it would have been really cool to see something like that, and, and maybe that's what it was missing because it was like, I don't know, it was almost. It reminded me of um, what was the uh, Wizard of Oz remake? 
Oh, uh, uh, the Wiz. Wasn't the Wiz. The Wiz. No, it wasn't the wasn't the Wiz. Hold on. It was, uh, Hold on. I, I, it, oh, no, return, you know what's re, funny? Re, 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 return to us. Return to us. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> the Wiz was the first that came to mind to me for me too. Hey, there's Michael Jackson. All right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> it reminded me very much of that movie where it took itself almost too serious in parts that weren't supposed to be. I don't know. It was just like. Like the mother goose with the goose thing was just kind of weird to me. And the I, I don't know. It reminded me of like Return to Oz. Did you get that vibe at all, Alex? We watched Return to Oz virtually together. Uh, Yes, just not as dark and creepy, right? It's more vibrant and happy. Um, which they, I mean, that. which the guy, uh, Kimball, worked hard to do because he made sure that it was more upbeat and peppy, which it very much is. And um, I would love to see what those two scripts were that he thought was terrible. If he thought this one was amazing. <laughs> like, let's see those. Like, Re- I want to release the <laughs> release the scripts, please. <laughs> I think that would be hilarious. But yeah, I, I agree. It's um, I don't, don't want to bag on this movie too much, but I do think that it's a fun watch for kids. Like my kids like this movie. Well, I've seen this probably three. This is probably my third or fourth time having it on in my house in the last couple of years. Oh, really? Yes. My kids like this movie. I can see why a kid who has just no regard for good writing or good directing or good anything would love this movie. It's so cool. Like when my kid is born in May, this is the uh, one of the first movies I'll probably play. Yeah. The bright, bright colors alone will uh, hold them for sure. Absolutely. Chris, I'll put I'll put it on Chris, mute though. Chris, don't show them, Chris, don't show them that movie first, man. Come on. Are you kidding me? They're going to give them you're going to give them nightmares. You know, be like, hey, listen. <laughs> watch babes in toyland no we're not this is you'll get nightmares right there on the spot but uh i i just so i just looked up who was the uh the music producer of of babes in toyland so the, oh yeah i don't think we ever touched base on that so victor herbert he was the music the music producer of both the operetta and also he wore he did music oh. for, for babes in toyland mm-hmm. uh he did he did the uh the, uh from 1903 to 19, uh, from 1972, he did all the music for those shows. Oh, I'll tell you okay. what, he all of the projects that he worked on, I'm on IMDb, all have horrible reviews. <laughs> like, like, like his best one's like a 7.1 out of 10. He got a lot of fives and sixes on here. Oh, boy. And I'm sure it's not a reflection of his music, but uh, maybe some bad luck there. The um the fact that they put in the Mouseketeer I thought was kind of cool. They were like like they're sticking. Dude, there's a lot of Mouseketeers. I love that. I think that was kind of cool. They're just kind of like uh they're they're bringing in their own. I thought that was pretty cool. A lot of Disney people, a lot of Mouseketeers. People from Old Yeller were in it. Like there's a lot of recogni- rec- recognizable faces. We're watching with my my dad was is down, and watching with my wife and my dad's like, oh that person looks familiar. That person looks familiar. And we're looking it up like who this is. That's how I found out the Wizard of Oz, uh, Scarecrow was Barnaby. Uh, we're looking up uh, the big guys like the big guy. I think we get in later in the history, but the big guy is from Zorro. He was on all the Zorro shows. Oh, um, uh, okay. Which, which I definitely recognize him from. And uh, the cast is interesting for sure because they're all Disney people. Yeah, so they I have that. other work yeah. that's really good. Let me let me ask you this. Uh, do you guys think Babes and Toyland had a carnival esque type of music in the backgrounds? I could I could see it in some scenes for sure. I don't think I like thinking back now, maybe. But during it, I don't know if I really put two and two together. What about you? I think I think it did, man, because I when I, when I was re looking the uh, 
the the uh, the, the music producer who who did the music for Bays and Toyland, all of a sudden a, a big clown just pops up, and I'm like, you know what? I think Bays and Toyland did have some some type of carnival esque type of music inside the inside the move inside the uh, the movie. Well, it definitely had that kind of like weird carnival vibe. <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> With Kimball out of the way, it was time for Walt and Donahue to finish rounding out the casting. Although reoccurring Disney actor Dean Jones was considered for the male lead, the much younger teen idol Tommy Sands was cast instead. Ray Bolger, who had played the Scarecrow in 1939's Wizard of Oz, was cast as a villain for the first time in his career, playing the evil loan shark Barnaby. Zorro actor Gene Sheldon and Henry Callan, and Old Yeller actor Tommy Kirk rounded out the main cast, which also included Mad Hatter voice actor Ed Wynn as a toy maker. The cast universally agreed that Wynn was a joy to work with, and Kirk even stated years later that although he felt the final product was not a great film and sort of a clunker, Wynn was delightful to work with and was just as crazy off-screen as he was on. Similarly, Funicello loved working with director Jock Donahue, stating that it was her only film role that allowed her to act beyond the cheesy teen beach movies of the 1960s. Filming took three months on a soundstage at Walt Disney Studios in Burbank, California, and was relatively unremarkable. Finally, after a turbulent pre-production and smooth filming process, Babes in Toyland released theatrically on December 14, 1961, and was accompanied by a special behind-the-scenes episode of Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color three days later. Let's talk a little bit about Ed Wynn. Ed Wynn has Dude, a Edwin. It's a, like a very recognizable face. And voice, of and, course. Well, obviously, and yeah. voice. So you take a look at some of his projects. He was in, uh, like you said, Alice in Wonderland. He played the Mad Hatter. He was Uncle mm-hmm. Albert and Mary Poppins. And he was, yeah. all, well, obviously, he was a toy maker in this movie. But he was in um, a... <laughs> was he a bed, bed, broom and bed, bed knob and broomsticks? What was it called? I don't see him. I don't see no, that on okay. his... Uh, no. But he was in a... Um... <laughs> oh, my gosh. The Absent-Minded Professor. He was in that movie. Oh, that's a good one. Is that the um? No, I have right here. I have for the love of Willadine, which was a um. The picture of it on IMDb is the VHS. Like I'm, it was probably like a TV movie straight to VHS. Never came out in theaters, but it was a Walt Disney uh movie, and he played a character by the name of. Alfred and Alfred returns in an episode of the wonderful world of Disney, which was obviously, um, really? Yeah. Uh, he, he comes, uh, you know, on that show too, the magical world of Disney, um, an episode on there. So I guess it was, he was a recognizable character on there. I'm not real good with these real old actors in these older, lesser known yes. Disney films. Really cool to see, um, like to trace it back though to connect all these dots i love going to like the imdb page of babes in toyland and clicking through these actors yes. and actresses and seeing what other yeah. disney projects they were connected to i find like, it really you can really use some string and some twine and yes. like a cork board and really just connect the dots and then be like you know this and this and this and that and yeah that's that's definitely the fun thing about when they utilize people from the same places the same you know disney trying to utilize the same people over and over i didn't know anything about a lot of these people but like my dad was like, oh, fun. I recognize her. And my wife's like, oh, that's Funicello. And he's like, oh, from all those Teen Beach movies, which I've never seen a Teen Beach movie no, in my life. No, no. I've seen the Teen Beach movie, which right, is which based is Disney, off right? of Teen Beach movie. <laughs> yes, which I love that movie, but I've never seen actual Teen Beach movies. Um, I also, another thing that stood out to me in the history was it only took three months to film. That's insane. Three months to film this movie? Really? Three months. 
that's what it said on the on this. It only took three months on the soundstage to get it all done, which is um, may, I mean, as the power of physical effects, right? It's easy to pull in and take off. It wasn't very fancy. It was, I mean, it was fancy looking, right. but it wasn't like insane, like in depth sets, you know? No, but what I would like to know is it took three months to film, but how long did it take to build that set? Like, how long was this movie in production for? Uh, the whole right. part of it, because that was a very, very extensive set. So, I mean, uh, what Alec, I mean, what Alex said, I mean, it took about three months to make that entire movie, right? So it had not the entire movie, just the soundstage part but, where they filmed. Yeah, but yeah. Ooh, I mean, Chris, I mean, maybe I don't know, like maybe like a month and a half to make those, maybe a month and a half. Yeah, very little out there about filming, uh, RJ says in chat. So uh, this is <laughs> this is not like the filming of Titanic or something oh, where, God, they, no. where they document it, <laughs> where they document it, like all the small details. It's Babes in Toyland, which was. The, oh, I don't know. They may have documented it and then they, they're like, ooh, this wasn't very good. <laughs> Bury this. <laughs> you know what? Let's, let's free up some... by James Cameron. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no. The, the, uh... Let's, uh... Let's save some hard drive here. <laughs> the uh, all of this, all the notes they took are buried somewhere with Song of the South. They're in, they're in a, they're oh, in a God. three miles down where Disney puts things they want people to forget. All right, do you guys want to take a guess uh, how much Bajan Tullin, Babes and Toilet earn in rentals from the U.S. and Canada. Oh, that's that's not in the history. So yeah, go ahead. That's interesting. Four point six million dollars. That's yeah. no. That should be box office. Well, it said I'm looking at it. It says in rentals from the United States and Canada, they made four point six million dollars just by rentals. Oh, the reels were rented. Yes, <laughs> that's actually the reels really were rented out to theaters. But yeah, but the yeah. Budget, but the budget, the budget was, was three three million. million dollars. But yeah, it said the bottom. No, it says box office. But they're, what they're saying is it was four point six million dollars for rentals. Oh yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's weird. How they had they had three million dollars to make this movie, and they made like a a million a million and a half to make that uh, to to make it in the box office or to rent in rent profit. Yeah. Profit, yeah, which isn't very good for Disney. They definitely don't didn't like that for sure. Yeah. No. Uh, let's see what else we can talk about here. Um, you know, when I watch this movie, I don't think of it as a Christmas film. Did you guys think of it as a Christmas film? No, no. not at all. No. Yeah, I don't understand this whole. It released in December fourteenth, which means it was supposed to be during the holidays. They said the the stage show was was around the holidays and that made people like even more but i do not see read christmas at all when i'm watching this movie at all i i think it's more so of just like toys come to life type thing a toy maker santa claus the 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 comparisons you can make between the two even though the toy maker was evil right no no no, i'm sorry edwin edwin was a toy maker i gotta make that edwin was a toy maker he was not evil um so I, i i think maybe there was a there could be a connection there i think that the funny whimsical is just can be associated closely with the holidays like i could see you putting on this movie around the holidays and no one thinking it's not a christmas movie just because it's just like reminds me like the nutcracker type thing where it's just like all weird and weird or there's nothing <laughs> weird and just weird rj put it in the chat uh that the laurel and hardy version is a much more christmasy so maybe disney changed it in translation uh, okay. i mean the nutcrackers uh, you don't see a nutcracker outside of 
this Christmas season. Correct. Yeah. So, You're and right about and that. they really slammed the nutcrackers uh, right in your face and all the posters and the VHS. And um, mm. so, you know, Christmas Eve. For sure. says no nutcracker in the movie, Chris. There's nutcrackers on every single one of the posters. Those are toy soldiers. But they look like, but they look like nutcrackers. Oh, I keep saying nutcrackers. I'm not, I don't mean nutcracker. I'm looking at this thing saying <laughs> nutcracker. Like I'm looking right at this thing. <laughs> they, There's nowhere to, they, to they crack look, nuts in that they thing. They legit look like nutcrackers to me. Besides, I the, mean, they're just besides soldiers. the fact that there's besides the fact there's nowhere to. Well, nutcrackers are toy soldiers too. That's it's true. Just they crack right. Nuts. Right, they have the giant mouth. Dang, yeah, yes. yeah. That okay. So you're, <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> maybe that. Maybe that guy had a nightmare. <laughs> Didn't you say nutcrackers too? I did say nutcrackers. Yeah, look, see, they, it's, they, they look, look like nutcrackers. <laughs> it's the tall hat. They have yeah. rounded heads. I know, but it's the I I I'm so distracted by the hat. <laughs> it's so big. Barnaby's hat was big too. What did you guys think of Barnaby in this movie? I thought he was hilarious. I also love the two characters who are supposed to be kind of like a, uh, what is it? Um, oh man, what is that joke when you get something that's off brand? The Wish version of Laurel Hardy. Uh, yeah. Like I, uh, I, I like those guys. Uh, but I thought those that trio was entertaining for sure. Right. Anything with Ed Wynn in the movies, I'll, I'll watch it because he's he like you guys said before, he's a legend uh, in in Disney. Like he is an OG of doing these voices and everything else. But anytime I see his name in credits, I will watch it. Like I watch when he was in a uh, Mary Poppins, that that's kind of only reason why I watched that. And since I do like Alice in Wonderland, I knew that he was the, uh, the, the Mad Hatter, which was, was, which is awesome. So where is he in Mary Poppins? I'm not he's the guy, picturing he's the guy. He's the guy who goes, I love to laugh that scene. He's, he's the one who's laughing on top of the ceiling. See their uncle. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uncle Albert, I think it is. Uncle Albert, yeah. Yeah. Never saw the movie, right. but I did read his IMDb page three minutes ago. There you go, Chris. There you go. <laughs> ding, ding. The film's story departs significantly from the original opera and Laurel and Hardy version and involves a stage play presented by Mother Goose and her talking goose, Sylvester, making the main story a play within a movie. In the story, the villainous Barnaby wants to obtain the fortune of Mary Contrary, which she is unaware of. To accomplish this, Barnaby plans to throw her boyfriend, Tom Piper, into the sea and steal Mary's sheep, forcing her to marry him and thus giving Barnaby the fortune. However, when Mary searches for her sheep, she instead comes across a household toy maker in Toyland, who uses a shrinking gun to make everyday objects into toys. The toy maker provides an army of life-sized toy soldiers to help Mary defeat Barnaby, and after discovering that Tom is still alive, Mary weds Tom and the pair lives happily ever after in Mother Goose Village. As a musical, the film features 15 songs. Mother Goose Village and Lemonade, We Won't Be Happy Till We Get It, Just a Whisper Away, Slowly He Sank to the Bottom of the Sea, Castle in Spain, Never Mind Bo Peep, I Can't Do the Sum, Floretta, Forest of No Return, Go to Sleep, Toyland, Workshop Song, Just a Toy, March of the Toys, and Tom and Mary. The film earned $4.6 million at the box office, barely a profit on a $3 million budget. Critics were not kind to the film, saying that it was a Disney-fied version of the classical musical and seemed like Disney was more obsessed with setting the story in a gaudy mechanical fantasy land than preserving the spirit of the original story. Furthermore, it was viewed as an affair that would only delight children, not adults. At the time of its recording in 2023, the film holds a 36% on Rotten Tomatoes. Clearly, the film was both a critical and financial failure, but nothing can replace the enjoyment the entire cast experienced while filming this Christmas-themed adventure. Yeah, I think I agree with the critics on this one. <laughs> it yeah, was actually perfectly, yeah, perfectly said. Um, so, 
the movie was nominated for some Academy Awards. Oh, was it really? It was. Uh, you, costumes you, was one of them. You said for some Academy uh, Awards, right? Just some. Costume makes sense. Yeah, yeah, just some. Um, if you go, uh, again, if you go onto the IMDb page, there was, uh, it was nominated for two Oscars. Uh, nominee for the best costume design and nominee for best music. They did not win. The only award they won was the Laurel Award, award, which I am not familiar with what the Laurel Awards are, but they did win the Laurel Award for Top Musical Score by George Burns. So, yeah, so, but rightfully so. I mean, they should have been nominated for Best Music because I think probably like them and maybe four other movies came out that year with musicals. But Best Costume Design, I would love to see who won. I'm actually going to look that up. Look it up real quick, Chris. Oh, so is is the Laurel Hardy one the March of the Wooden Soldiers? Because I've actually heard of that. Yeah, I think that is okay. Okay, I've heard of that one. Um, I was gonna bring it up because it was in history that there is they did Chris talked about it earlier, right? That there was a remake in 1986 that starred uh, Drew Barrymore and Keanu Reeves. Oh, it was Keanu Reeves Mulligan. really? Let's go. Yeah, Keanu Reeves. Oh, that's so uh, funny. Pat Morita Morita is in it. Ooh, cool. Um. And uh, Richard Mulligan is Barnaby. I know my wife said she tried watching this not oh too long ago and couldn't get through it. So, uh, yeah, it's just not good. Um, I do have I'm on the, the Academy Award page right now. So <laughs> Babes in Toyland lost to West Side Story. Yeah. <laughs> so that was oh. that was pretty good. And then uh, costume design, they lost to, you guessed it, West Side Story. <laughs> Again, wow, yeah. <laughs> hey, I mean, West Side Story is like iconic, so yeah. it's. I mean, if you had to lose to somebody, I guess that would be the team to lose to. Yeah, I mean, you can't be too mad at that. I mean, the fact, oh, Duke Ellington, they uh was was nominated for best uh song that year, too. Let's go, Duke. pretty interesting, Mr. Duke yeah. Ellington in Paris Blues, whatever that one is. Um, yeah, so 1962, um. I just, I kind of want to, uh, let, let's set the scene real quick. 1962, okay. right? I want to see best motion picture. Oh, best motion picture. You want to take a guess? No West idea. Side West, Side, West Side Story. <laughs> so, because <laughs> so, I kind of wanted to see um, other, The Hustler was uh, nominated, Guns of Navarone, Fanny, and Judgment in Nuremberg. Kind of just want to, I like looking to see what uh, what else came out that, like, that year to see like what, what other type of movies came out when Babes of Toyland came out. Because it's hard to wrap my mind around how a movie like that ever came out. So what other movies came out? Was it similar? Stuff like that. The other, uh, um, a uh, that's a short subject cartoon Dizzy put out something called Aquamania. Uh, pretty interesting to look back at that. Though. There is a website you can go on to look at all this stuff. It's the Academy Awards. Uh, web, it's Oscars.org. Uh, pretty, pretty interesting to to look at there. The Parent Trap came out that year, too. Oh, the, ori- oh, the original Parent Trap. Yeah, it's a great one. Mm-hmm. Also, if you're interested in more Babes in Toyland stuff, there is there was a 1997 MGM produced animation Babes in Toyland. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Now let me let me ask you guys a dumb question. All right. I know I Go some ahead. of my questions are pretty logic, but if you had to change Babes in Toyland to a different movie genre, what would it be? Hmm. Um. I think a comedy. I think like more so of a comedy. I, I was gonna say more so of a comedy yeah. as well. Feed into that Laurel Hardy type, like full blown, because they are trying to do like a musical, you know, drama while while having some comedic aspects. Um, I think that's good. Maybe, ooh, maybe a uh, 
a murder mystery. Oh, someone killed. The, someone killed the the Nutcracker. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Barnaby was it. trying to kill uh, Piper, so maybe he actually does kill Piper, and they they have to figure out who did it. I would I would change this movie so much. I would change it into a horror film. I would a just, horror film. Yeah. I would straight up just change it into a horror film. I, I you know mm-hmm. you know how I think this could work in twenty twenty three. In, in, in all seriousness, I think if Family Guy or The Simpsons did a special, a holiday special, Babes oh, in Toyland, yeah. you could really, really um, take the, the weirdness and quirkiness. They wake up and they're in this this place like that, you know, and I think right. with all the nursery rhymes, they can make that very, very funny. Yeah. And they bring in the they bring in the wheelers for no reason too. Yeah, and Homer, <laughs> and Homer, Homer stuck with the uh, the shrink, the shrink ray. <laughs> yeah see i think they could really do, like this this movie could be redone and but you'd have to make fun of it you would have to yes yes i agree in the parks hello this is gang it's your man on the ground giles garman with another in the parks this time about babes in toyland oh excuse me a moment just finishing up some milk here Thank goodness it's not too cold, otherwise there's no way I'd be able to drink some milk here. Now, perhaps the most famous way that Babes in Toyland is remembered in the Disney parks is with the wooden soldier characters that can be seen throughout the Disney parades in the Christmas season, especially in Mickey's Uh. Very Merry Christmas Party in the Magic Kingdom and throughout other Disney resorts through parades and decorations. Disney is almost as obsessed with those soldiers as... Chris is with trying to get full episodes on YouTube these days. (laughs) Another interesting way that the film's been represented is at Disneyland's Main Street USA. From 1961 to 1963 in the Main Street Opera House, there was an exhibit featuring props and other pieces from the film there that guests could view. And even for guests who thought it was a little bit boring, I'm sure it's a little more interesting than trying to practice your dancing to try out for a role at the parks. Finally, if you're listening to the music that plays as you're waiting for Fantasmic to begin, you might notice that the song Castle in Spain plays within the stadium, albeit a cover version and not the original version from the film. That concludes this installment of In the Parks. I hope you all had a very Merry Christmas. I wish you all a very Happy New Year, except for Ryan, who I hope is watching the Muppet Christmas Carol when Disney Plus ends up shutting down on him and as such meaning he can't finish the movie. Anyways, that concludes this installment of In the Parks with me, Giles Garman. All right, Giles Jarman. Thank you for helping. Yeah. Uh, nice callbacks to last week's episode, by the way. The, uh, I like the milk callback where I can't eat, drink milk unless it's cold out. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> and uh, Ryan said he already watched it, so the joke's on you. Oh. <laughs> awesome. Now you know where you can see some babes and toilet in the parks. Did not think that was no, true I, at all. Me either. Well, I, I mean, I, no, I, I kind of knew that the uh, to- the toy soldiers were in the uh, the Mickey's Merry Christmas Party, so... I never put two and two together that it was this movie, though. I just thought they were just nutcrackers, just random nutcrackers. I know, right, dude? I mean, <laughs> well, here could hear the giant nutcracker walking down Main Street, USA. <laughs> quick fire, quick facts. Let's go. Wow, 
While Babes in Toyland was filming, the original version of The Parent Trap was in production elsewhere at Walt Disney Studios, and Toyland stars Fudicello and Sands were brought in to perform the theme to The Parent Trap thanks to their close proximity. Villain Barnaby is shrunken down and falls into a jack-in-the-box near the end of the film, making his demise among the most unique and of all the Disney villains. Walt Disney originally intended to adapt the Rainbow Road to Oz with Annette Finicello before switching to the Babes in Toyland project. So I guess that's why he wanted Finicello, because he wanted her for something else. He must have really, I mean, he's done this before. He must have really saw something in Finicello, yeah. which he became a star during that era, yeah. uh, much like how he saw something in um, the guy who became uh, 007, Sean Connery. Sean Connery. Uh, you know, he's he's... Walt was such so good at recognizing talent. Visionary, yep. Yeah. Visionary. He is a visionary. He's a legend. We here at Disney think that Babes in Twilin is an extremely unique film that children can enjoy with its bright colors, fun characters, and amusing songs. Hey, RJ, where are you? I told you to meet me at the best show at Walt Disney World. Yeah, Ryan, I'm in Liberty Square right now, right in front of the Hall of Presidents. What are you doing there? You said the greatest show in Walt Disney World. Where else can you see all of the Commander-in-Chiefs on stage as audio animatronics? Opening day attraction. That's the worst show in Walt Disney World. I meant Muppet Vision 3D. Why do you want to see horrible CGI on a screen that's been there since the 90s? Why do I want to go to a show that'll make me fall asleep? I don't know. Ask yourself that while you're at Muppet Vision 3D. You know what we can agree on? The Disney's Patreon? Absolutely. I mean, where else can you get live recordings of Diz His episodes, cutting room floor, early episode releases, even giveaways if you're at the $5 tier or more, plus access to the Goof Troop, the Discord, where there's daily games, daily trivia. It's fantastic. And you know how low of a price you can get it for? How low? $2 a month. That's how low you can go. It's a fantastic deal. That's a bargain. It's this deal so good that Scrooge McDuck would jump at it. So... Join the Diz His Patreon today. Link is down in our description of the episode. Come hang out with us. But you're still wrong about Muppet Vision 3D. You're wrong. A Disney cruise is no ordinary vacation. It's an adventure, a fairy tale, a dream. Step aboard and discover where favorite Disney characters meet fun for the whole family. Where total rest and relaxation meet the ultimate escape and excitement. Where a dream vacation meets a magical cruise. Only on Disney Cruise Line. Where magic meets the sea. To book your magical Disney Cruise Line vacation, go to sandpipervacations.com today. Check us out streaming on award-winning Disney streaming site, Sorcerer Radio, on Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, or catch us again at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Sorcerer Radio is an amazing 24-7 Disney radio. Just visit srsounds.com or download the Sorcerer Radio app. So this week in Disney, uh, I'll go first. I did not so much. Um, you know, I'll watch some Disney Plus here and there. I did go through Disney Plus and uh, look through the Hulu feature. Oh, yeah. Brand new. Disney it's in Plus. beta. Pretty cool. Uh, it's in beta. Yeah, pretty interesting because they are going to go with get away with Hulu. Don't Hulu, hate I that think. at all. And to go Let's through go. Disney Plus. Um, but, you know, I guess now we're going to start utilizing our kids profile more for our kids because now if I let my kids just go on oh. Disney Plus. They now have access to all this non-G-rated material. Yeah, that's true. Through Hulu, 
so now I really need to have them just go through their um, go through their profile. That's a good tip, uh, Alex. I, don't, sure I think a lot of people probably don't realize that. Yeah, Disney Plus is not just for kids anymore. It's for everybody. Anyways, uh, that's me this week in Disney. Um, Remy, what'd you do this week in Disney? Man, I did some cool things. I re-downloaded Epic Mickey on my Xbox. Oh, cool. I played, I played that for a little bit. And, nice. Oh, my God. How was it? Dude, I love it. It's such a fun. Why'd you download that? Did you listen to an episode of ours recently? No. Well, yes, I did. But, oh, okay. <laughs> but no, man, I mean, I, I miss playing that game. And uh, I just miss going back and replaying the storyline and everything else, you know. Try, Which one did you get? The first one or the second one? The first one. The first, first one, the first Epic Mickey, yeah. So very nice. I played that. that is awesome. Uh, I also uh, watched uh, my favorite uh, Christmas Carol, Muppets Christmas Carol. I, uh, I nice. Watched that, watched that last night, and uh, I know this has nothing to do with Disney, but I am stuck watching uh, Suits on uh, Netflix. Watching what? Suits on Netflix. Suits. Yeah, Suits. Uh, Meghan Markle is in this in this show, so uh, it's oh. pretty cool. It's a pretty cool show. Yeah. Never seen it. Chris, what did you do in the in Disney? What did you do, man? So I did a few things. The first thing I did was uh, every year my my family, mom and dad, treats uh, the family, the immediate family, to an outing somewhere. And this year uh, at the Walnut Street Theater, fun fact, oldest theater in America, and the seating you can tell because not very comfortable even for a person who is five foot six. Um, very small, intimate setting. They were they were playing Walt Disney's Beauty and the Beast. Um, and it was honestly, I've seen a lot of shows at the Walnut Street Theater. This was the best production I've seen there. The set was amazing. The music obviously was great. They added some new songs in that that um, I guess are in the musical, but not the movie. Didn't love a lot of them, but be our guest. Um, I, I think that a good and mind you, this is during the play. Uh, they had to stop because they um, people were clapping for so long during Be Our Guest. It was it was that good. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. Something really small that I did today, I found um, Schoolhouse Rock's Funko Pops. And wow. I bought, Ooh. yeah, I bought Bill. I immediately, I said, I was there with my mom today at Target. I was like, oh, my friend RJ is going to love this. And I sent him a picture of all of them. They have the Bill. They have um, the, uh, they have the conductor. Nice. And they have a superhero. Uh, I, I I didn't recognize because I I don't think I've ever seen it. Rocky. Um, if oh maybe he's just the mascot of the if if RJ could write in the chat where Rocky's from, that'd uh, be awesome. But I did buy Bill because I was like, this is I, I love odd Funko Pops, so I bought him. Uh, and lastly, another purchase that I made. Uh, if you listen to the podcast, you know that I love me some Paging Mister Morrow. Well, Paging Mister Morrow recently in the past year was sponsored by roosevelt's which is a clothing yeah. company and for his birthday roosevelt's dropped a paging mr morrow line where uh it's paging mr morrow shirts and hats so i set an alarm at 355 yesterday i uh my alarm goes off in the middle of walmart doing some christmas shopping I'm like oh my gosh i gotta pull off to the side here and buy this shirt I get on and I go to buy it. And then I was buying, I, I added a, a, the shirt and I added a hat to the card as well. And there was an option for a flat brim or a sloped crown. So I had to Google what sloped crown was because I was hoping it was like a curved brim. Uh, so I'm Googling that. It took me a couple of minutes. I go back to the shopping cart and they're both sold out. Oh, wow. So, so I signed up for, uh, for an email for when they restock and, uh, 
10 minutes later, I get an email from Roosevelt saying it's a merchandise miracle. Your shirt is back in stock. So I immediately, I immediately went on, bought the shirt. And I'm like, you know what? I will buy the hat separate. I'm not going to waste time adding the, the hat to the car because this might sell out again. Bought the shirt, went back to buy the hat. Hat was sold out already. I, wow. I had no idea he had this big of a following, but I guess he does. And uh, so that's coming. It's shipping January 10th. Really excited. Don't love all Roosevelt's are kind of crazy designs, but this one I really, really liked, which I was thankful for because love the guy. wanted to support him and also uh, love the shirt. Well, OK, uh, OK. Something crazy just got posted in chat. So, oh, my God, Ryan, uh, who's on here a lot, uh, had an appointment made for weeks now. He was going to go get a scar tattoo done and not a tattoo of a scar. No, don't, no, do that. No. don't do that. Scar from Lion King, the hero from from Lion King. Um, and he just posted a picture in chat. Looks great. It, it's it's like really impressive. Where is that located, Ryan? It looks like it's on the ins like right above his elbow, uh, where his bicep is, like on the inside of his arm. That is sick. It's on it's on the it's on the crook of your elbow? No, above his elbow. Okay. Oh, it's on his forearm. 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 Okay. Man, I thought for a second that was, okay. I, thought, I thought for a second that was on his knee. I'm like, what are we looking at here? <laughs> oh, it's a great yeah, tattoo. It Very nice. Well saturated. The shading and everything is so well done. It looks like uh, it, they. It looks like a picture from the movie. Like it doesn't like it does. It's, it's yes. really, really, really cool. Wow. I like the green. I like the green hues as if it's uh during the scene with be the, prepared. Uh, yes. I love the uh, I love the scar, like how they resemble the scar. On I know it's really Good impressive. Tattoo. Okay, if you want to see what the tattoos, you got to join our Discord, guys. Yeah, We're not posting yeah. on social media. Too, that's right. Yeah, I mean uh, that, that is a that is a awesome. that is a fresh tattoo. I mean that's very fresh. It's oh, crazy. Man. He just posted the picture of a black and white essentially during the process. Looks great black and white Look, too. But it looks great black and white if you kept it like that. But the coloring is insane on this thing. Uh, awesome tattoo, man. I'm so glad that and even waiting forever to get this. I'm so glad that it turned out the way it did because this thing is just insane. Wow. Yeah. Next week on Diz His, we actually will not have a Diz His next week. Uh, the first Tuesday of the new year. Uh, the recording we do very fresh. We do the history prior to the recording. So this history had to be done during over Christmas break, and I have some family coming in, and just the holidays make it very difficult to do history. So we're going to take a week off, and then we'll be back the second week of the new year. But then that week, we'll be going over the history of the extinct Epcot Pavilion, Wonders of Life. And to help us go over it, we will have Dane from Big Beautiful Diz help us because this is one of his favorite pavilions. And you know what? Three days after that, I'm actually meeting up with Dane. Oh, are you cool, really? Man. Yeah, yeah, we're meeting up. We're gonna, nice. uh, yep, we're gonna get some uh, dinner together. I'm gonna travel out to him. Oh, a little candlelight a dinner, little Christmas musical, a Christmas miracle. Oh, wow, very nice, very nice. Um, that was our history. Um, thank you for our Patreon, our goof troop here watching live. If you want to watch live, all you have to do is become a Patreon member as little as two dollars a month. You'll get access to our Discord server and you can talk daily Disney with daily Disney adults, you know. A lot of people will be like, you know, ah, I don't get to talk about this and that and this and that with, you know, my coworkers because they don't love Disney like I do. Join our Discord. We have everyone here loves Disney, loves talking about Disney product, Disney games, Disney parks, whatever Disney. You bring it up in the, in the group chat, everyone will have a, a comment about it. Um, from there, you can also access our blog, which we have some blog stuff over there. 
You can also be part of future giveaways if you are in a higher tier than $2. So you have to be five or higher to be future giveaways. And, um, you know, just go over to our social media, Diz His Pod, over on everything. And uh, give us some likes. Go over to YouTube. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, please. If you, um, you know, if you have a TV on and you don't want to watch TV, just go over to YouTube. Click one of our episodes and just mute the TV. Just walk away. Just have it playing yep. in the background. Just walk away. You know, it doesn't cost you money. It's for electricity. But, hey, that's cheap, right? So just, you know, put it on. Walk away. Let it cycle through. Big, big help. Big, big, big help. Remy, thank you for coming on for this episode. Oh, Very much appreciate it. Guys, I had a blast doing this with you guys. I hope you don't have a nightmare tonight. I yeah, sorry, I don't. man. <laughs> Um, Remy, please plug your podcast. Absolutely. You guys can check out all of us at Remy's roundtable.com. Uh, we're streaming on, on Spotify, Twitch, and, uh, yeah, just hit us up, look us up. And, uh, if you guys want to become a member of the roundtable family or host an episode of the roundtable family, just join our Patreon page. It's a lot of fun. Talk about the, the Florida theme parks and, uh, whatever, whatever, whatever theme park you want to talk about, we'll talk about it. So, and that's uh Remy's roundtable for you. Yeah, so now while, this episode doesn't come out till the twenty. I'm sorry, this episode doesn't come out till the twenty sixth. But in the pre, when does your episode come out that Chris was hosting? Oh, that's right. For you, that's right. So that's coming out this week, when, right? Uh, that episode will be po- will be available to all the audience members on Friday. So you guys do not want to miss out the twenty the twenty second twenty second. That's right. So it's already my, released. My wife's birthday. Oh, very yes, nice. Happy birthday, Jen. Happy birthday to her. Happy birthday to her. So if you want to go and get – and they're like, oh, what is Rumi's Roundtable? And you like our podcast, then go back to Friday's episode on 22nd and listen to the one that Chris is hosting. Get your – you know, dip a little toe in the water and see what Rumi's Roundtable is all about. And real quick, Remy, is it going to be family-friendly? Did you edit uh, out like some of the stuff that people said? Oh, it's it like – it, th- it would definitely be family-friendly. It's I, I would say probably PG-13, right? Yeah, more like PG thirteen. Yeah, but okay, PG thirteen, not, not R. It's just a it's, no, no, no. PG thirteen, though. PG thirteen. Yeah, just want to give a little disclaimer out there, just in case someone's sitting in the van in their little van with their kids, and then turns on right around table, right from distance, around around table, and they hear something. Uh, it's PG thirteen. PG thirteen. Yes. So okay, just want to put that disclaimer out there. Great, yeah. great podcast though. It's one of my favorites. We do more of the history on this uh, show. Remy does more of the current day updates of the theme parks. Also takes a little dive into on this day in disney history which is a lot of fun but he does mostly 75 percent of his show i would say is uh current day stuff which is birthday, really fascinating birthday guesses not anymore but we do have uh starting in uh 2024 of january and february we are going to have some uh guests uh, uh guests on our program uh which you guys are you guys do not want to miss on this uh we're gonna ha- we are going to be interviewing uh the stunt double uh, he was in Black Panther, and he was also in Infinity War, and also Endgame as well. We're gonna be wow. uh, interviewing Mr. Uh, Khalil Lamar. He was the stunt double for uh, Chadwick Boseman's uh, Black Panther. Wow! So you heard it wow. here first. We will definitely remind our listeners when that episode comes out. That's cool. Well, that's the his on Babes in Toyland. I'm Alex. I'm Chris. I'm Remy. Thanks for listening. Have a magical week.